0: Hey guys, quick disclaimer here. Uh, We are very well aware of the weird feedback noises that are happening in pretty much every episode. Um, We don't know what's causing them. Uh, We don't hear them until after we finish recording and play back the episode for ourselves. Uh, We are getting new mics soon, so hopefully this issue will be solved sooner rather than later, but um, bear with us. Thank you and enjoy the episode. I just started it. Oh, okay. Hey guys. Hi guys. Hey,
1: welcome this week.
0: <laughs> Sorry, we're a little chaotic today. Um, welcome to "Don't Fuck with Ghosts," the podcast about all things haunted, spooky, and supernatural. We are your blow sisters. I am Greer, and I am Betsy. And when we say "blow sisters," we are saying <laughs> "blowst" with a hard T. B H L O S T. Yeah, not blow. <laughs> we've gotten told that people have thought that it's said that we're saying blow sisters but no, 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 no that is not the case it is blost but thank you to the people <laughs> who pointed that out because <laughs> yes. this is apparently an important correction that we've needed to make a clarification yeah. so thanks yeah. thanks guys and if you're tuning in for the first time and don't know what blost sister means then we will redirect you to episode two where we explain it yeah Okay, guys, we have a big announcement, and it's not what you think. Greer has officially descended into the pit of Zach (gasps) Bagley.
1: Oh, I was like, (laughs) what is going on?
0: Yes, I will
1: um, get into this during my portion, my my story today, Um, but it's a journey that I took in researching for my story. And now she stands ghost adventures. I mean, I wouldn't say that, (laughs) but. I wouldn't call him my mortal enemy anymore. I think we could be frenemies. Frenemies. Yeah. He's
0: definitely an idiot. But he entertains you, though. Yes, very entertaining. We'll get into that later. Perfect. Um, and now to our actual announcement. <laughs> yeah. Before we get into today's episode, we have some business. Yes, we do. To talk about. We officially have a Patreon. Woo! Which is super exciting. Yes. Um, we have different tiers.
1: And we actually have three are they called patrons patrons, patrons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. we actually have three patrons so huge shout out to nikki laura and britney for being the first to subscribe to our patreon it's so awesome that you guys want to support us and thank you so much yeah seriously i, I can't believe i you. can't either <laughs> i when we got the email saying people we had a new patron i was like what
0: the fuck <laughs> there's no way so thanks you guys that is really yes, extremely thank you so so much and one of the perks that you can get is a shout out on the on our future episodes, so thank you guys so so much. Yeah. Um, and you can also get access to bonus content, um, which it can be really anything from like Q and A's with us to like um, behind, the behind the scenes stuff. stuff. Um, if we do get more patrons with that kind of access, we'll probably like pull. Um, to see what they want, because we we want to give you what you want. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, that's our that's our actual big announcement. Not just me. Not Zach just Baggins. <laughs> just Greer's undying oh, love.
1: Quickly, I learned it's Baggins. Oh, is it? Well, that's like, how he
0: said I it. I like Baggins better. I do it makes too. Me think of Frodo Baggins. Okay, I'll just call him Zach Baggins then. Okay. But anyway,
1: we also, before we dived into our stories today, wanted to talk about some like upcoming current spooky shows and movies. Because if you guys haven't been to the grocery store lately or the CVS or any kind of store. How's
0: Trader Joe's looking?
1: Um, actually, Trader Joe's is not fall. Trader <gasps> Joe's is still firmly summer. Wow. But I went to this um, grocery store today, Halloween, Thanksgiving, everywhere. Wow. In Th- the green even e- Thanksgiving? Yes. Thank- I saw Thanksgiving
0: cards. Oh my God. Yes. So... Um, it's still hot outside, but we want to get into this spooky yeah, fall mood. Maybe 90 degrees in the Washington, D- D.C. area, but spooky season is right around the corner. Mm-hmm. And, and we're already diving into <laughs> some of the shows that we're watching. Yeah. So if you are like us and are obsessed with Pretty Little Liars, I watched it in high school when it was like actively coming out like the original. And I read the books. Yes. I would come home and just like immediately go to my room and read the books. It's so good. Um, but there's a new show out called Pretty Little Liars: Original Sin, and I forgot to mention that Greer and I rewatched all of Pretty Little Liars last year. Yes, I watched it. So I had watched a few episodes when it first
1: came out when we were in high school. But oh wait, I'm sorry, high school or middle school? It came out, came out in high school. Finished when we were in college. Correct. Yes. Okay. So I'd watched a few episodes when it first came out in high school, and then like I never really got that into it. And then we did a. F- Almost, we have maybe nine episodes left. Yeah, we're on the last. Yeah, (laughs) full series binge in twenty twenty and twenty twenty one, and then last year I read the first eight books in the series. I think there are like sixteen books now. There was originally only supposed to be eight, and then they were so popular that she kept writing more. So I am like a late bloomer pll stan but um the new show original
0: sin is honestly so good i think yeah i'm I'm like very shocked with how much i like it yeah because i wasn't expecting to like it i thought it was gonna be like not as good and it's very different from the original um like it's it feels much more spooky like the original felt more like a drama and it did have a lot of spooky (laughs) spooky aspects to it but this feels like a constant like Halloween movie yeah it does they definitely take a lot of different like horror movie tropes and Mm -hmm. use
1: it in their plot and the way the show is designed and it's just it's like riveting and the other nice thing about it is that unlike Pretty Little Liars the original series where it'll take you like 20 episodes to learn a critical piece of information like it moves very quickly it does and so we don't i haven't finished the i haven't either i have two more episodes to go so it seems like we're going to get some kind of resolution at the end of 10 episodes even if it's not like finite resolution but it just it moves quickly and you learn a lot more a lot faster which is more satisfying
0: yeah and this is this isn't giving any anything away but it's it's funny because in the original pretty little liars a is like a another tween who's like goes to school with them and everything and like the first one was mona and she was like bullied by the the main girl and so like it was kind of her pulling revenge on them and then in this show a is literally michael myers yes it's like <laughs> it seems to be an adult like a massive adult man like who you like
1: see yeah he's it's not just somebody hiding behind a phone screen it's like a physical person that you see in a it's, mask it's yeah it's really
0: yeah. fun yeah so that i loved that aspect of it um i know a lot of people who are watching the show have issues with like they're like why does it need to be pretty pretty little liars like it would be good on its own why does there need to be an a but it is in the same pretty little liars universe mm-hmm. like they they live in millswood and their rival school is rosewood um and it's written by the same woman who wrote pretty little liars and the woman who directed like the first show is doing this one as well and it just has the same vibe like the same it seems like it's always fall there it's always fall and like a even though this time around is like a serial killer (laughs) he still is like um blackmailing them with Mm -hmm. secrets that he knows about them and so yeah it's really good give it if you've been hesitant give it a try and just see how you like it yeah it's great Oh, and okay, so we're gonna—I can't remember if you already said this—but we're we're gonna talk about like movies that we've, yeah, that we want to watch or Mm -hmm. that we've already seen, yeah, um, that are spooky season adjacent (laughs) or that are gonna be coming out during spooky season. So one that I just saw was Nope. Um, this is the new Jordan Peele movie. You said it was really good. It right? was really good. My boyfriend thought it was better than get out. That and is, I don't know if I agree with that, wild. but it was really, really good. Like, I think it was better than us. Like it, for me, it goes, get out. Nope. Us. Okay. I still need to watch
1: it. I liked us, but was confused by it and had to read like several articles afterwards to kind of understand the ending. <laughs> is was nope. Similar. Or do you kind of get it right away?
0: Um, it leaves a little to mystery, but it, yeah, there's a pretty finite ending to it. It's not nearly as mysterious as the ending to us. Okay. Like, you're like, what, what? (laughs) (laughs) No, this one is, it's pretty finite and it, this isn't giving anything away, but it's it's about aliens. So if you're into that, highly recommend. I'm excited to watch it. I don't know when I will watch it, but I mean, everything he does is so good. It'll probably be on like HBO at some point. (laughs) So perfect. Yeah. (laughs) um and then diving into movies that are coming out soon that we're definitely going to want to see we um, have smile yeah. which is i don't know who who like made it
1: but it seems to be a movie in which they're in a universe where how would
0: you describe it like people are smiling for some reason and then well, it seems like whatever it seems like something is possessing them yeah and it's targeting this woman who fun fact is kevin bacon's daughter oh really yeah oh so she has a patient who is complaining about being like followed or like taunted by whatever this entity is and then she starts smiling at her and then i think she like kills herself or something i don't know that sounds right and then somehow it like transfers from person to person and it's like I guess it's trying to come for her, but the trailer is really scary. Cause like people are s- smiling in like a very ominously yeah. creepy way. Yeah. Yeah. The, I just very intriguing the
1: plot summary. I mean, not summary, but after witnessing a bizarre traumatic event involving a patient, Dr. Rose Cotter starts experiencing frightening occurrences that she can't explain as an overwhelming terror begins taking over her life. Rose must confront her troubling past in order to survive and escape her horrifying
0: new reality. That sounds good. Yeah, it the does. trailer. Yeah, the trailers. It's. it's I don't a know good if trailer. I'm going to see this in theaters, but I <sighs> definitely, I definitely watch it. Yeah. once it's on streaming.
1: I think if it comes out and it has like insane reviews, then yeah, we could, then we should go see it.
0: This one's less scary, but more iconic. Hocus Pocus two, <laughs> and that's coming straight to Disney Plus, right? I think so. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited. The original three are in it, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh my God. You know, I was originally skeptical. I was like, this is not going to be nearly as good as the original. And it probably won't be, but Mm -hmm. the trailer did make it look really good. It really did. And also just everyone wants that dose of nostalgia anyway. So even
1: if it's not amazing, like we're all still going to watch it. And it's still going to make us excited for fall and Halloween. For sure. And speaking specifically of Halloween, the final installment, thank God, in the Halloween... (sighs) saga yeah right Halloween ends is what it's called is uh-huh. coming out this fall yep I think I'm ready for it to end yeah so I'm excited for this to come out so we can be done with it but I'm like <laughs> still excited to
0: watch it too yeah. at the same time we'll watch pretty much anything Halloween related yes so the first one was really good the one in 2018 yes I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was really actually good. really well done the second mm-hmm. one was garbage was. so I feel like this one can't be worse but never oh. say never never yeah don't, don't. <laughs> so yeah, that's
1: exciting. And then the rest of these movies on here, I don't know about, so you can take over from
0: here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so there's not a whole lot left, so we'll be done with this segment shortly, but one, I, I found like a list of movies that are coming out in like this fall and then into next year. Um, the next one you actually do know it's called pray for the devil. And it's the movie about the, the nun who oh, yes. tries to become an exorcist. Yes. That looks really good. Mm-hmm. And then, Knock at the Cabin is the other M Night Shyamalan movie. Oh, the one with Rupert with Grant, Rupert Grant, Dave Bautista, and then it was Jonathan Groff was the third one I was trying to think Who of. Who is that? He was in Mind Hunter, which is oh. about the FBI uh, coining the term ser- uh, serial killer and doing all of those investigations and okay. interviewing actual serial killers and like trying to figure out what makes them tick. Is he a singer? Yeah, he was on Broadway. <gasps> okay,
1: that's yeah, what I know. He him did from. Glee. Okay, and yes. he did.
0: He was like in the. Um, the debut cast for spring awakening with leah michelle yes. oh yes okay yeah very talented
1: and we learned that this movie because i'm remembering this now is supposedly going to be shot in one take oh yeah. yeah all one take so no cuts nothing they're
0: gonna be going insane Mm-hmm. so that'll be really interesting yeah and then the last one I have written down is some... Do you remember when in episode two when I was talking about how it'd be interesting to see if they remade The Exorcist, how it'd be today? Are they remaking it? So they're not remaking it. It's going to be, I think, a sequel of some sort. <gasps> interesting. And um, what's the name of the main... The girl? Like, Reagan. The girl who played her? Oh, oh, Linda Blair. Um, maybe it wasn't... Hold on. Ellen Burstein. Was she the mom? I don't know. I will Google it. I think she was the mom. That's Um, probably true. Ellen Burstein was the mom. She is reprising her role. And Leslie Odom Jr. will also be joining the cast. Oh, he's in something else that's coming out. I don't know what it is, but
1: he's he's been
0: busy, apparently. Yeah. Okay, (laughs) that's cool. Yep. So there's a lot, a lot of spooky content coming out, both this fall and into next year so Ugh, it's so good it's we have a lot to look forward to okay well that's the intro stuff we wanted to do yeah um getting excited for spooky season i agree and i have planned a day to go to home goods to get our annual haul of fall decor and then go to olive garden i'm
1: literally so excited <laughs> i haven't been to an olive garden since mm, 2019 yeah maybe No, definitely Pre-COVID days. Very, very (laughs) pre-COVID. Long before. Long before. I went to Olive Garden on my 21st birthday. That was not the
0: last time you went to Olive Garden. No,
1: but I'm just saying that's how I celebrated my (laughs) 21st birthday. (laughs) What did you get to drink? Um, I tried to order some kind of like raspberry lemonade cocktail, but the waiter didn't understand that I was asking for a cocktail and he just brought me a raspberry lemonade. My dad was like, um... It's her twenty first birthday. Can can she get a cocktail? Because I was too afraid to say anything. Of course. And, and the waiter was like, "Oh, okay," and then never brought it. <laughs> that sounds like Olive Garden to me. Yeah. When you're there, you're family. You know. <laughs> That's how family treats
0: you. Yes. It's true.
1: So we have a listener story from Nikki, who is a member of our Patreon yes. and one
0: of Betsy's very good friends. Yeah. So I'm super excited that I get to finally read her story because she's been telling me she's going to send it to me for a long time and I, I've been very anxious to read it. So I'm actually reading it for the first time right now. Um, so let's let's get into it. Okay, bloost sisters, I have a good one for you. My name is Nikki Fisher, and I have been an avid follower since before day one of DFWG started, <laughs> since Betsy and I are kindred spirits and bonded over the show Supernatural. When I saw I could be a Patreon supporter, I immediately jumped at the chance, because I know you both are going to continue growing this podcast to be the best Supernatural slash paranormal one out there. Oh, so nice. <laughs> so sweet. So nice. I have many listener stories to share, but I wanted to start off with my grandmother's current house. My grandmother moved from Louisiana to Parma, Ohio. My dad's family has seven kids, including him. His family has said there have been strange occurrences that have happened, even when my aunts, uncles, and dad were children. My grandmother is a very spiritual person, so while she believes there are spirits, she is unafraid of them. More power to her, Grandma Fisher. Most of my family's interactions, as well as mine, have happened on the second floor of the house. It was a house built in the 50s, and when I spent hours doing some supernatural research of my own—strange reports, deaths near at the house, Indian burial grounds, etc., I could not find anything. My aunts 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 recount staying in bunk beds upstairs altogether, and they all vividly remember seeing a dark figure in the night. Mind you, it does get pitch black up there. The figure specifically seemed to be checking on the girls, and they all remember just feeling like they were being watched. When no one was up there, they even heard a baby crying, and when they went to check on it, nothing was there. This was when my father was a baby and his room was up there, but my father was out of the house at the time. Oh, That same figure returned to make its appearance when my ex-boyfriend and I went digging through old family records. We were upstairs in the middle of the day, and I had warned him that we probably shouldn't stay up there long because of the entity, and he did not believe me. Mm. As we sat up there midday with my grandmother, we started to hear rattling in the closet. We opened the door, and the hangers were swinging back and forth, (gasps) but nothing was in there. Oh, my God. We left the door opened and watched it for a bit, before Grandma Fisher encouraged us to ignore it and keep looking through our family records. Not even five minutes later, as I was mentioning theories on what the entity could be, we had the lights start to flicker on and off. Oh, my God. I firmly told it to leave us alone, and the lights returned to normal. After that, I wanted to go downstairs. We picked all the records up and moved down to the first floor. We were just about to start again when my ex realized that he left his phone upstairs. Mm. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. I, like the smug girlfriend I am, sent him back upstairs with not a care about his hesitancy (laughs) because, after all, he was a nonbeliever, so there wasn't anything up there anyway. I love that. After a minute or so of him going upstairs, I see him come back down, white as a sheet. I asked him what happened, and he explained that he went into the room, and the closet door, which we did not shut, was closed. As he picked up his phone, which was in the middle of the floor, he turned to leave. There is a mirror at the end of the hallway. Oh, God. Mirrors! (laughs) Leading into the room where we were. In the mirror, he saw a dark figure standing behind him, and when he turned around, nothing was there. As he turned to look at the mirror again, the shadow also disappeared. He ran quickly back to the first floor, and I had the biggest shit-eating grin on my face. (laughs) (laughs) I always do believe that the non-believers get messed with more than the believers, so it served him right. All that being said, I talked to my Grandma Fisher about it. it, Oh, I talked to my Grandma Fisher about if she was afraid of the things upstairs, and she strongly feels protected by her faith in her God, Mm -hmm. and that is all she needs. She refuses to leave the house, and... (laughs) grandma fisher oh. she refuses to leave the house and to this day i believe that the oh like leave it like oh like move, move? That's i, I think, think that's what she that means, means. <laughs> I think that's what that means okay <laughs> that's a little better. i believe that this thing only stays upstairs because of her connection and faith being strong enough to keep whatever the entity is away from us I hope you enjoy one of my many ghostly encounters and we'll definitely be sharing more as we go on. Let me know when you all plan for haunted locations, Gettysburg in particular, Victorian era mansion haunting and about possible family members reaching out. I know Betsy kicked us off with her own and I can share my own as well. Nikki. Wow. Nikki,
1: I just want to say I completely agree with you. Like the ghosts are going to mess with the people who say they don't believe. So why not just believe? Right. You're protecting yourself. Exactly. Exactly.
0: I completely agree with you. Tip numero uno. Mirrors are so scary. If you believe, then you can protect yourself. (laughs) Exactly.
1: You can prepare at least. You can try. Exactly.
0: Oh, that was such a good story. Mirrors really scare me. That's what one Uh, of the tips we'll probably put in at the end of one of our episodes is to cover the mirrors. Mm -hmm. Cause well, the, that's uh, what at the Velisca Axe Murder
1: House. This wasn't because of ghosts,
0: but oh, right. the killer
1: like covered all the mirrors and windows oh. with sheets, and they are guessing that's because he couldn't sta- he couldn't bear to look at himself after he slaughtered that whole family. Oh, that's so.
0: Oh, I know, awful. Uh, um, it's funny because so I play D anD D, as people know, <laughs> and my DM and uh, her roommate, who also plays with us, they just moved to a new apartment. And they're like decorating it and setting everything up. And they found a mirror by the dumpster and it was really beautiful. It has this like intricate frame that they ended up spray painting black because mm. it was gold, mm. but it was gorgeous. And they're like, somebody just left it here. And now like, I didn't think about it at first, but now I'm like, there's gotta be, be a careful. reason for that. Y'all better be careful. And if that <laughs> nice of a mirror, somebody
1: would have sold it or donated it or yeah, not it just really tossed nice. it out.
0: Oh boy. Yeah,
1: but now it's right above their
0: fireplace. Maybe it's a portal. Could portals be. to hell. I feel like mir- most a lot of mirrors could be portals. That's why ghosts get trapped in there so easily.
1: Mm-hmm. So That's
0: freaky. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Nikki. Um, we've already talked about her actually coming on the podcast. And this might be like a Halloween special one day. But um, she has so much experience like actually ghost hunting. And Greer and I being novices and wanting to like get more involved in it. We'd love to know more about her experiences and she has some EVPs that she could play. And yes, I um, feel like we
1: could just do like a two hour interview. If we can figure out how to hook up a third mic to this laptop,
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think it would be so fun. Yeah. So shout out work in progress, exciting things to come. All right. Well, that brings us to our stories for this week. Our theme is nautical nonsense because Greer is going to be talking about a haunted ship and I will be talking about what I'm about to talk about right now. Here we go. (laughs) Let's go. (laughs) Okay. So today I'm going to be talking about the Hammock House, which is located in Beaufort, North Carolina. So I'm going to do a brief. Hi, lady. Hi, baby. Oh, do you want to go out? I want to leave. She wants to go out. Okay. So I'm going to be doing a brief background of Beaufort to start out with. Um, it, it, it was founded in 1709. It's the third oldest town in North Carolina and the 12th oldest town in North America. Wow. Uh, in 2012, it was ranked America's coolest small town by readers of Budget Travel Magazine. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Let's we go love Beaufort. It. We love traveling on a budget. And it has a rich history of pirates Um, My family it's so my family goes to the Outer Banks every year for summer vacation and we try to go to Beaufort at least one of the weekends we're down there and they and we usually falls on their annual Beaufort pirate invasion where they have like vendors set up and everyone's dressed up like pirates and they're selling like leather goods and food and then we always miss this but at some point during the weekend they have an actual like pirate invasion reenactment stop yes
1: (laughs) it's amazing it's the
0: best thing ever wait quick question
1: when you were young did you ever read those like Wizardology, Egyptology, pirateology books.
0: That sounds really familiar, but I don't think I did. Okay,
1: I'll I'll find a picture of it later. I was just curious because I read those and had my pirates obsessive phase. So I have I'm, the
0: I have the mermaid
1: one. The mermaidology. Are they like the big books? The big ones. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, I had the mermaid one and the fairy one. Okay. And they they had the like the little trinket like um, mm-hmm. figurines. Mhm. Yeah. yeah. Fairy okay. and mermaid. Well, I'm excited because I had a pirate phase as a child. So. Nice. So. In addition to pirates, in the later part of the 18th century, Beaufort was a busy commercial port connecting North Carolina to the colonies in the Caribbean, to New England and Canada, and back across the ocean to England. So it was very much a port city. Um, So now we're going to get into the hammock house. It's the oldest house in Beaufort and one of the oldest houses in the entire state of North Carolina. It was built sometime in the early 18th century before the town had even been established It's a large two-story white house with wraparound porches on each level. I'm going to show you a picture. It's really pretty. It's been restored at this point, so it doesn't look like dilapidated or anything. It's really pretty, and it's like Caribbean style. I love wraparound porches. Oh, yeah. Um, This is it. Ooh,
1: that's so... Oh, my gosh. The porches on both levels. Mm -hmm. That's so nice.
0: Yep, yep, yep. Beautimous. Mm Mm-hmm. And hammock is a slightly antiquated word for a low hill or fertile raised area. So before the town was built up around it, the low rise on which the hammock house stands was noticeable enough that it was used as an aid to navigation for ships coming in from the sea. Hmm. So that's how it got its name. Um, It had approximately 31 owners who held it for periods varying from less than a year to over 21 years, the average possession being a little over nine years. Um, its original use was presumably, um, as an inn serving as a resting place for people passing in and out of Beaufort. And it wasn't uncommon for guests to cause trouble, but none more so than possibly the most famous visitor of all, a one Edward Teach, better known as Blackbeard.
1: Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> pew, pew, pew.
0: <laughs> Sometimes I forget that he was real. Yeah. He's a real person with a real name.
1: That's it's funny so because cool. in Scooby
0: Doo, <laughs> in Scooby Doo, they have a red a, a character named Redbeard who's supposed to be like Blackbeard. So oh. when you think of when I think of that, I'm like, yeah, Blackbeard sounds like a cartoon character, but he was a real person Crazy. and very violent. Mm. So, which brings us to the dark and mysterious happenings at Hammock House that give its its rich, if haunting, reputation. Nice. During one of Blackbeard's stays at Hammock House, he was with one of his many wives. Who happened to be an 18-year-old girl, Mm. who, according to many accounts, didn't particularly like her husband. I wonder why. Mm. Because he allegedly married and kept her against his against her will. Mm.
1: That tends Um, to be a reason not to like
0: somebody. Yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Seems on brand for him though. Mm. Um, Her resistance raised Blackbeard's legendary anger. A heated argument took place that resulted in Blackbeard murdering her by hanging her from an oak tree behind Hammock House, oh, and he then buried her body under the tree itself. Oh, my God. In 1747, the then owner of the house, Richard Russell Jr., returned home from a voyage. He was not a nice man and pretty violent in nature, and he, when he returned, he ended up taking his slave up to the attic after some probably, some, and then I put in parentheses, probably mundane wrongdoing that mm. pissed him off. Um, but the slave went into fight-or-flight mode Panicked and shoved Mr. Russell, causing him to tumble down the attic stairs and break nice. his neck. Nice, yeah. <laughs> um, and die. I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah, okay. he died. I guess he you died. You can't break your neck he, and not die, he, right? No, I okay. mean, can't, no, oh, no. He died. Okay, nice. <laughs> yes. The next owner did her part to uphold the reputation of the house. She was engaged to be married to a British Navy captain, but after a miscommunication turns lethal, the home's gruesome reputation is only amplified. So I found this in one of my sources that I used. I forgot to list my sources this time. Sorry, guys, but they will go in the episode notes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm going to read that, that article now. It's short. Don't worry. <laughs> Among the captains who commanded the ships sailing in and out of the waters before the Revolutionary War was a certain Captain Madison Brothers. Madison Brothers was reportedly, reportedly an able and competent captain and merchant who grew wealthy from his trading along the paths of the Atlantic. But Brothers did have one flaw. He was said to have a fierce temper, and he would fly into a rage at the least provocation. For this, Madison Brothers earned the nickname, quote, Mad Brothers. As he grew older, Mad Brothers decided that the time was approaching for him to get married. He sought up and down the coast for a woman willing to be his bride, despite his fierce temper, and eventually found Miss Samantha Ashby. Miss Ashby was the orphan daughter of a wealthy Baltimore family. After a brief courtship, she agreed to be his wife. Brothers arranged for her to travel by stagecoach down to Beaufort and to stay in the hammock house inn before the wedding. Mad Brothers could... Mad Brothers would complete his planned trip, and when he arrived back in Beaufort, the two of them would be married. Miss Ashby arrived in Beaufort on time, where she found a pleasant surprise waiting for her. A British Navy ship had docked in Beaufort that morning, and on that ship was her brother, a Lieutenant Caruthers Ashby. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Miss Ashby and her brother spent the next few days catching up on old times, dining and laughing together, strolling through the streets of Beaufort. On the night before Lieutenant Ashby's ship was scheduled to depart, a send-off party and dance was arranged at Hammock House for the ship's officers. Food was prepared, a band was brought in, and everyone was excited for what was expected to be the social event of the year in this small colonial town. Lieutenant Ashby and his sister were given pride of place at the event in honor of Miss Ashby's upcoming wedding, but just as the party started getting underway, Mad Brother's ship pulled into port. As his men secured his vessel, he looked out across the waters and saw the lights at Hammock House blazing. Anxious to see his bride-to-be, he gathered a small group of men in a launch and rowed up Taylor Creek to the house. Captain Brothers led his men immediately into the ballroom at Hammock House, where he saw his wife-to-be dancing in the arms of a handsome young sailor. Where do you think this is going? Mm. Mad Brothers immediately flew into a rage and ripped Miss Ashby from her brother's arms. Before anyone could explain, Brothers had drawn his sword and was viciously attacking the young sailor. The man had no choice but to defend himself, as Brothers' men had drawn their weapons and were warding off the crowd from interfering in the fight. Lieutenant Ashby drew his own sword. Brothers' rage was so great that he was deaf to the cries of everyone in the room to the terrible mistake he was making. He flashed madly at Lieutenant Ashby, who did his best to keep brothers' blows from striking, but did not want to harm the man who would soon be marrying his sister. Brothers drove Ashby across the ballroom, out into the lobby, and started pursuing him up the stairs. Finally, Ashby was cornered and realized he had no choice but to lunge out. But his balance was off on the narrow stairs, and he tripped and fell on his back. "'Mad Brothers showed no mercy. "'He drew the knife from his belt "'and stabbed Ashby through the heart. "'As her brother lay dying, "'Samantha Ashby rushed to his side. "'Brothers spat in her direction, "'gathered his men, and rowed back to his ship. "'He sailed away before dawn the next morning "'and never set foot in Beaufort again. "'They say that with his last breath, "'Lieutenant Ashby whispered his dying request. "'He wished to be buried in full dress, "'standing at attention and facing home to England.' To this day, among the unusual graves in Beaufort's old burying ground cemetery is the grave of a British naval officer buried in an upright coffin and facing home to England. And it's said that the blood that stains the stairs in Hammock House where Lieutenant Ashby was murdered can still be seen. Ew. Which we will get into more later.
1: Have you seen this been to this burial I have not, yard?
0: I have not. You have to go next time? I know. Ew. Standing up? yeah out at of tension which I guess is like a military thing so do you think his body is just like crumpled
1: I mean well it's decomposed but do you think it was just like crumpled inside the coffin and yet the coffin was standing up or do you think they like Ooh. like isn't it a thing
0: that like when you die your oh, body stiffens mortis. yeah oh, so yeah, like I they guess. probably put him into that position until he got into that Ew. condition uh, yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> that's oh. such a sad story I know it's really sad But by 1862, the Hammock House already had a bad reputation, site of multiple famous murders, duels resulting in the death of at least one participant, and mutterings that the house was haunted had already begun. On March 23rd of that year, its reputation would be cemented. The citizens of Beaufort discovered that during the night, Union forces had claimed control of their town. Three Union officers came upon the now abandoned Hammock House and thought it would make a good outpost they went to inspect it and were never seen li- alive again. Oh shit. It wasn't oh. I said again, but that's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> they went to inspect it and disappeared out of thin air. That would have been a better <laughs> way to quote that. It wasn't until approximately 50 years later in 1915 that workmen digging near the back porch discovered their remains. Wow. So they were found but they were dead. But no one knows But nobody like- knows how um they just disappeared. So they went in there and then somehow ended up in the ground. That is
1: horrifying. Yeah. So there must have been people squatting in there,
0: maybe or
1: ghosts.
0: Yeah, oh go- my ghosts God. put them in the ground. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. So during the Civil War, the building was used to house Union troops, including the famed Buffalo Soldiers, who were Southerners who had joined the Union forces. Anyone who spent time in the house felt uneasy, especially amidst the unknown fate of their missing comrades. The reputation of the house spread until after the war, when it was once again abandoned. And for many years, the house was vandalized and neglected. So now we're going to get into the hauntings. So Blackbeard can be blamed for the introduction of suffering within the property lines of Hammock House. Though she's not seen, the cries of his murdered wife are evident on nights similar to the one on which the pirate hung her. People report feeling threatened and frightened within the courtyard. Um, the ghost of Richard Russell Jr., who was killed by his slave, mm-hmm. the one that broke his neck. Several people have reported feeling shoved or pulled at the top of the stairs, Ooh. and thumping sounds of his body hitting Ew. the steps Ooh. have been reported. Oh, my God. It's got to be a pretty loud thump. Yeah. Ooh. Okay, also, I'm just envisioning the, wom- the,
1: the woman who is hanged. I'm just It makes mm-hmm. me think of The Conjuring. Yeah, and like yeah. the the body that she can see, Mm-hmm. right? That's the Conjuring, right? It is,
0: but that uh, I'm reading the Conjuring books right now, oh, okay. and that is supposed to be Bathsheba. Oh, um, really? Yeah. I, okay, maybe I'm misremembering. Because like that's like no, and you're not misremembering. Mis- there was a hanging body mm-hmm. that she sees, and that's supposed to be Bathsheba because the whole her whole thing in that movie is that Bathsheba was a witch. She sacrificed her firstborn child and she hung herself after that. But in reality, Bathsheba did not die by hanging and she, but she was put on trial for the murder of a child. Okay. Interesting. Which was never proven. Interesting. Okay. So that's just my two cents on that. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, but I digress. (laughs) Anyway, back to the hammock house ghosts. Um, The man who was killed in the duel inside the house on the second floor there have been reports of a man screaming Mm -hmm. and several have reported feeling threatened and afraid on the spot even before they noticed the large stain on the floor Ew! and no matter how many times it has been sanded scrubbed or painted over (sighs) the bloody stain continues to resurface no way yeah
1: as in like it'll disappear and then come back
0: yeah and I don't I I don't know if it happens in front of people's eyes or if they just go over time they go and then they come back and it's back that's so like scary yeah (laughs) Like he's like, keeps reminding people over and over that this happened to him.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's wild. So today, Maurice Davis is credited with restoring the house to its original state while researching his book on the house's history, titled "The History of the Hammock House." Now the home is privately owned, and it seems the residents hmm. don't mind the ghosts and enjoy living in a house with such a colorful past. The rooms are said to be furnished to match the history of the house wherever possible, and one wall is even covered in commercially produced images of the house, including an old advertisement in which Sears used the house to sell their exterior paint. <laughs> oh my god.
1: That's so interesting. It's privately yeah, owned. Yeah, so you
0: can't tour it. I unfortunately. I was going to ask
1: if it was a museum now. No, but...
0: you can't tour it. Wow. Yeah but you can go look at it from the outside. So next time I'm there, (laughs) next time I'm there, I'm going to go find it. Cause it's pretty close to like where we go parasailing and stuff. Like you just walk a little bit ways down. Um, so definitely gonna find that in the cemetery. Nobody's (laughs) going to go with me though. (laughs) Yeah, invite me and I'll go. Okay.
1: Okay. Is it, like, well, like, is it talked
0: about in Beaufort? Like, it's a it's a well-known It's landmark, a historic, right? so I'm going to get into So, even though it's a private residence and can't be internally toured, the house still remains a stop on both the historic homes tour of Beaufort as well as several haunted walk tours, including the Beaufort Ghost Walk, which I want to do, but we're never there nice. at night, and nobody would go with me again, so. <laughs> <laughs> but on the Beaufort Ghost Walk, you're your guide as a pirate, somebody dressed up as a pirate. That's fucking amazing. Um, They regale you with chilling stories of ghost ships, haunted houses, and interesting histories of the Beaufort area. You will hear about some of the unexplainable encounters experienced by both guests and guides during the ghost walks of the past. And the house was featured on the show Ghost Lab in 2009, season one, episode 11, The Ghost of Blackbeard. So I actually watched this one for my research, and it was... (laughs) It was highly amusing. <laughs> I don't know if it was as amusing as Ghost Adventures, no. but because these guys seem at least they're probably just as amateur as Ghost Adventures, but Ghost Adventures has a, a much higher budget. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, But these guys were very funny. It's hosted by two brothers, Brad and Barry Kling. Amazing. I think that's their last name. Yeah, Which, Kling. What channel it is it on, or was it on? Um, I want to say Sci-Fi. It's on Discovery oh, Plus. Okay. Um, but yeah, I want to say Sci-Fi. Um. But the owners actually let them in the house. So, like, at this point, the owner, it's already privately owned. Mm -hmm. Um, And the owners heard, this is, like, their encounters that they they mentioned on the episode. Owners heard a woman crying from an unknown source. So that's, like, the ghost of Blackbeard's wife. Mm -hmm. And there was an apparition of a woman in blue at the top of the stairs. She appeared translucent. And she said to a former guest... This is my time. Can I have my time now? And then disappeared. What? It's like it's like a portal to the other side. Oh, <laughs> like that's what makes makes me think of. Wow. Um, and then activity is apparently heightened during a full moon, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. So the team decided to run tests tests during the high tide with the influx of lunar energy. Um, Smart and. When they did this, like, right at the the peak of high tide, the emotion detector that they had set up was ripped off the bathroom door on the third floor. Holy crap. There was a 2.9 EMF reading. So if that... What is that? Oh, we don't know. So I think the base, what they said on the show, the baseline is, like, 0.4. So that's pretty high. shit! Yeah. I wonder what the highest it can go to is. Well, they... There was like another one that they did that it was like in four something. So well,
1: maybe it's on a scale of five.
0: Maybe. Okay. I know. Um, they did collect a few EVPs. They heard a male voice say, Come here. Ew. It was so freaky. It was like, Come here. Ew, like you could hear it very clearly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there was another one that was a woman's voice that was less clear, but what they did hear was the rings. Like they, the rings? like she was talking about rings. Like oh, jewelry oh so, interesting. because of this house is tied to blackbeards and other pi- blackbeard and other pirates they the team <laughs> decide to dig into the yard <laughs> to see if there's any buried treasure oh <laughs> fools and the owners let them do this yeah oh but they god. had to like get the the home like scanned and like the surrounding area scanned to make sure that they weren't gonna dig into any electrical wiring or anything oh my god so, okay <laughs> But (laughs)
1: oh, Jesus.
0: Yeah. So um, legend says that Blackbeard was known to kill a crew member and bury them on top of his hidden treasure so that (laughs) lady
1: (laughs) is very excited.
0: (laughs) Um, But he was known to kill a crew member and bury them on top of his hidden treasure so that their ghost would guard said treasure in the afterlife. (laughs) I
1: feel like if I got killed by someone, I wouldn't really be tempted. I wouldn't want to guard their treasure. Unless
0: like he like put a curse on you and you have to. And like, that's your own personal hell. Oh, actually that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So so they got another EVP that said, let's just say they were watching us. That's really long. Yeah. And I, they played it a few times and I, I couldn't really hear it very clearly, but I did hear like the watching us bit. Ew. And it was the same male voice as the, come here. Ew. And obviously, no treasure was located. Mm -hmm. And they almost did, indeed, hit the (laughs) (laughs) waterline. Oh, my God. Wait. I feel like I would love these two men. (laughs) Yeah. It it was an entertaining episode, (laughs) to say the least.
1: Didn't you say they kind of reminded you of Sal from Impractical Jokers, like, a little bit? Yes.
0: Amazing. Um, Aesthetically, yes. They weren't as funny, but they were, like. They looked like so Uh (laughs) And I don't know Where they're from But they didn't have Like a thick New York accent Or anything Yeah But It wouldn't shock me If like they had Opened their mouth And they sounded Like they were from New York (laughs) (laughs) So my final thoughts are that from pirates and bloody duels to everything that came with the Civil War, it's inevitable that an old Southern town with such a violent past would be graced with a plethora of paranormal activity and a haunted reputation. And that is the chilling story of the Hammock House and its ties to Blackbeard the Pirate. Ooh, mic drop.
1: So today I am going to be talking about the USS Hornet CV12, which is which <laughs> I'm just going to call the Hornet because that's too long. Um, it's a retired naval aircraft carrier that is often considered to be the most haunted ship in the United States, rivaling another famous ship that I'm sure we're all familiar with familiar with called the Queen Mary.
0: So I was really intrigued when I heard that claim because yeah. I had never heard of this ship. It's like when you think of haunted ships, you think Queen Mary, and that's like the pretty much the only one I think of.
1: Yes, literally the same. So I was like, okay, interesting. Like, go off. Known as the Grey Ghost, the USS Hornet was commissioned on November 29th, 1943, and had a long career that spanned across multiple campaigns in World War II, the Korean War, and the Vietnam War. And the Hornet also played a key role in the Apollo program, and it was actually the ship that, like, picked up the astronauts from the ocean from the Apollo 11 and Apollo 12 missions once they return from the moon. Oh, shit. Yeah. Like, you know how when they come back and yeah, the atmosphere, they have to land in the ocean? Yeah, they go in the fucking ocean. Just, like, in
0: gravity. Did you ever see
1: that movie? Oh, no, I didn't. It was okay. Really? I thought people really I mean, it was good.
0: It. But, like, the part where... There's, like, one part where George Clooney is literally, like, floating in space and opens the door. And, like, that was, like, a vision she was having because he had already spoiler alert died at that point um <laughs> but died. like when i saw that yeah when okay. i saw yeah it's like literally like her alone in space trying to get back to earth wait did they show him dying like his body could compressing in on itself no it was like one of those things where he had to let go and then like drifted into space, which <gasps> oh, is like in space which is like one of my worst nightmares That's not that <laughs> that would ever happen to me but like i mean never say never <laughs> i don't want to because you just keep going the same direction yeah i guess would you starve Like, how would you, what would you die from? I would take my mask off at that point. I don't think I could
1: physically do it. Like, you know how people say that cutting through your finger or you could bite through your finger. It's the same thing as a carrot. carrot? Yeah.
0: I couldn't do that. No, but like, would you choose instant death or starvation? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Anyway, so the, the Hornet is
1: huge. It's, um, longer than the length of two football fields, eight hundred and eighty feet Damn. long. Yeah, it's massive. It was designed to hold around three hundred and eighty naval officers, three thousand enlisted soldiers, or like I guess they're still called soldiers if they're in the navy, right? Shipmen. Oh
0: yeah, sailors. Sailors. sailors uh, shipmen.
1: Twenty-seven fighter jets, thirty-seven dive bombers, eighteen torpedo bombers, three observation aircraft, two utility aircraft, and twenty-one partially disassembled spare aircraft. So this ship is That's fucking huge. Th- and, <laughs> Stacked. <laughs> yeah, it is so, so big. Wow. And there were just thousands of people that lived on it like throughout its military career. Um, it was eventually decommissioned in 1970 and was eventually designated as a national historical landmark in a California historical landmark. Um, it's now open to the public as the USS Hornet Museum in Alameda, California, um, which is in like the San Francisco Bay Area. And since being decommissioned, the USS Hornet has been used as a set for films, TV shows, and paranormal investigations. Mm -hmm. So to paint a picture of the Hornet, um, there's a brief excerpt from an article called USS Hornets, Ghosts, and Spirits Roam the Deck, Observers Say, which was written by Gary Peterson for the Mercury News in 2013. And this just to describe the ship um, and what it feels like to be in there. The ship's bewildering maze of low-ceilinged corridors and anterooms can make visitors feel as if they're navigating another world trapped somewhere between sea and sky. Rooms stacked floor to ceiling with bunks are eerily quiet. The sick bay, its examination tables covered in fresh linen and shelves lined neatly with medical texts, appears to be in a perpetual state of alert. It seems that around every dark corner are more unexpected curios that add to the surreal. A rotary phone and a manual typewriter on a Formica-topped desk, a framed picture of President Richard Nixon, file cabinets with pull-out drawers, each with its own combination lock. So this ship is just like huge and extensive and it has like living quarters. It has, um, like dentist rooms, a medical room, cafeterias, um, the engine rooms. Like I was watching videos of investigations and it was giving me Titanic. Oh yeah. Like the, where all the poor people stayed. That's like steerage. Yeah. Steerage. Mm -hmm. That's what it felt like. So old and like very creepy and just very empty. Mm -hmm. Um, so This ship, when it was in use, was full of life and brimming with activity in in every corner of the ship. And now that it's retired, even though it's a museum, um, the vast, like most of the ship sits empty of alive humans, but it's definitely filled with with the spirits of dead humans. Mm. Um, It's said that the flight deck of an aircraft carrier is one of the most dangerous places to work, uh, crew members on carriers across the world have died in tragic and terrifying ways. Um, for example, walking into spinning propellers no. of, of planes that are like on the flight deck. Like on purpose? No, 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 no. I don't <laughs> believe no.
0: How is it just like freak accidents? Yeah. Like freak okay. accidents. Um, Jesus. getting sucked into the jet engine. Oh my God. Um, no capes. No capes.
1: Getting blown off the flight deck from, like, the exhaust when a jet takes off. Like, (gasps) if you're, like, in the path, you can get, like, blown off the flight deck.
0: Oh, my God.
1: Yeah. So, in addition to that, like, I mean, those are freak accidents. That's not happening every day. But when you have thousands of people living on a naval warship, you're going to have people dying via those tragic accidents, um, illness, general, you know, wartime casualty, and, of course, suicide, very sadly. Um, so the Hornet was no stranger to death in its years of operation. So um, that's a bit of background on the Hornet. Now I'm going to get into the hauntings. So in all the articles I've read and videos I've watched, it seems like basically everyone who either um, works on the ship, so works for the museum, um, used to like actually serve on the ship as a uh, sailor or a, a naval officer, um, historians, guests... Um, everybody like it's widely acknowledged that this ship is like super, super haunted. Like it's not, it's like a, it's not like a taboo to talk about. Like Mm -hmm. everybody has like had some kind of experience or like feels the energy. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: and it's a pretty common theme among most of these people that they were non-believers before they either visited the ship or started working there and, now that they've worked for the ship or worked on the ship, they're like, okay, no, this is no joke. Yeah. Like everybody has like that one moment where they mm-hmm. experienced something. Yeah. Um, and some of the first official paranormal investigations on the Hornet started in the late nineties and they were conducted by a psychic medium named Stosh Murray. Um, and she worked at a Silicon Valley biotech company for basically her whole career. But then she was also on the side, like a psychic medium nice. and she was like a very well-renowned one. So she was called to do an investigation at the Hornet, um, because the people who were working there were like, okay, we feel like something's going on. We're kind of worried that it's impacting our, like, tourism at the museum. So, like, we want to figure out what's going on here, um... And before she even stepped foot on the ship, she saw a psychic vision of the engineering room in the ship, which had been sealed off to the public for years. She'd never seen it in person. And in her vision, she was able to give like a pinpoint accurate description of the room, like all the room's details. And so the people were like, okay, like this woman is the real deal because she just described this room and she's never seen it. Um before she started her investigation, she asked permission from the spirits to board the ship. Um they invited her on board because they knew why she was there and they were walking welcome- welcoming her aboard to do her work. And generally the consensus that I've found is that the ghosts on this ship are not malevolent or evil. Okay. Um they're I'll not talk about this later, but they're generally happy to be on the ship because for a lot of them minus the ones who, like, died tragically. A lot of them, like, working on this ship with some of the best years of their lives. There was, like, a lot of camaraderie, which
0: I guess makes sense for... Did they... You'll probably get into this, but did all the, spirit like, documented spirits of people die on that ship, or did they, like, some of them, like, return to the ship? So
1: what's interesting is because there have been so many different experiences and so many thousands of people who lived on this ship, as far as I could tell, like they didn't, they weren't able to ever connect a certain paranormal occurrence to a specific person. Oh, okay. um, well, there are like residual hauntings. Those yeah. are probably the people who either died by suicide or like had those tragic accidents. They're just stuck there. But a lot of the people who work at the museum believe that spirits have come back because they like mm-hmm. loved being on the ship, yeah. which is nice. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Okay. So to help in Stosh's research, she enlisted Lloyd Auerbach, who is a San Francisco Bay Area parapsychologist, paranormal investigator, and mentalist who does performances under the name Professor Paranormal. Oh, my God. And he's, like, had a 40-year academic career, but he also does his paranormal stuff, too. And he's been on, like, Discovery Channel, Sci-Fi, the Travel Channel, et cetera.
0: Sounds like Bill Nye the
1: Science Guy, but paranormal. I know. He's kind of got an interesting look to him. He looks like a
0: scientist.
1: Yeah. And I guess professor this, mm-hmm. I, this I think this counts as science.
0: Yeah. I mean you got to take agree, your, your readings you got to do your um, what's the scientific method with your hypothesis? I love the scientific method. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um but so through their research, they were able to determine on this first visit to the ship in the in I think it was 1999. Um, at that time, that was just their first trip there. They confirmed at least 28 corroborated cases of like spirits and apparitions. So that was 28 separate instances where multiple people had experienced the same exact thing in the same exact location. And like that was just on their first investigation. Um, and they believe that the number of cases is growing, uh, like daily. So that supports the theory that people believe that spirits are coming back to the ship because they enjoyed living on there. Um, and Lloyd Auerbach wrote a paper titled, they see dead people working with psychics and mediums in spontaneous case investigations, which was about the work that he and Stosh did together on the Hornet, so I want to read a couple of excerpts from there um, because the work that Stosh was able to do in, like, contacting the spirits was just really interesting. So he writes, In one enlightening situation, one of the Foundation employees reported being sexually harassed by the ghost of a sailor. She experienced a sailor coming into her office and hugging and sometimes touching her inappropriately. As Stosh had identified one of the... As Stosh had identified one of the apparitions aboard the ship as high-ranking, I suggested that she follow the chain of command and ask the ghostly admiral to order the sailor away from the Foundation employee. We made our way to the location where Stosh stated that the admiral was most likely to be found. She entered her psychic communication state and explained the situation, then asked for the admiral... For the (laughs) admiral... Then... (laughs) (laughs) Then asked for the admiral to resolve it. The next day I received a call from the employee who was happy to report that while the sailor still could be seen outside of her office, he remained a distance away from her at all times. So she was able to like talk to the ghost admiral and be like, hey, get your sailor in line and tell him to stop sexually harassing this employee and it worked. It is wild. Isn't that crazy? But it's still like watching her from I the know, distance. I know, I know. Like, Ugh. I don't know if that would make me feel any better, but <laughs> like, I just thought that Slightly, was- Slightly, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I
0: thought
1: that was fascinating. And this other excerpt reads, on our first visit to the newly opened med bay, the med- which is the medical bay, like where they would, like a little hospital on the ship basically. Mm-hmm. So on our first visit to the newly opened med bay, Stosh encountered a back office- Stosh encountered in a back office the apparition of one of the doctors who had served aboard the ship during World War II, uh, but who died, she said, in civilian life much later, so he came back to the ship. Uh, she asked the entity if he would cooperate with an experiment, and he stated that he had agreed. Uh, she suggested that I place our mag- magnetometers on a desk, which uh, seemed as uh, some kind of ghost hunting device that yeah. reads magnet fields. I don't really know. but I, that's
0: Hmm? EMF?
1: Oh. magnetometers is that emf electromagnetic Electromagnetic field field. oh okay then yeah maybe sure place (laughs) our uh, emf detectors on the desk (laughs) then speaking aloud asked the doctor to quote play with the devices both magnetometers began registering a high reading immediately she asked the doctor to stop and the meters ratings dropped back to near zero again immediately this was repeated several times Murray suggested to the doctor, sorry, Stosh suggested to the doctor apparition that he cooperate with investigators on subsequent visits in order t- and to, quote, pass the word along to other ghosts to do so as well. In subsequent visits to the USS Hornet with other psychic mediums, the same experiment has played out in a similar fashion. So she basically was like, hey, this is a way you should communicate with investigators. Do that again. And then it's happened again. Wow. She like gave them a command or like asked them and they listened to her. Oh my gosh. I know. Oh, my next note says, Stosh was able to communicate with the ghosts and impact their behavior. Okay. Um, (laughs) So most frequently, even though there aren't, like, specifically named ghosts, most frequently people will hear disembodied voices. Um, They will see apparitions walking along the corridors. And they're not, like, it's not, like, seeing a shadow or, like, a wispy thing. They see, like, full-bodied people in, like, World War II naval uniforms, and they go to, like, follow them, like, down the stairs or around the corner, and, I mean, they're completely gone. Oh, my God. Um, They also experience unexplainable hot and cold spots, and it's believed that, um, I said this earlier, but that some, but not all of the ghosts on board the Hornet are residual hauntings, Um, and I already said this, but it makes a lot of sense because of, you know, the tragic and sudden death that might have occurred on aircraft carriers like the Hornet. Um, and it, you know, residual hauntings are where the spirit might not realize that they're dead because their death was so instant. So they're just repeating those same tasks over and over again, um, with no interaction with the um, the visitors who are seeing them or with like the real world. They're just on a like a feedback loop kind of. Mm-hmm. So um, related to that, people have reported seeing slow-moving spirits who either seem to walk right through them or pass by as if they don't notice their visitors' presences, which supports the, um, the residual haunting theory. And I was watching a bunch of YouTube videos about the Hornet, and I saw a comment on there that was related to this. I thought it was interesting. So YouTube user Stan Barnes commented on a video about the Hornet, "Quote: I slept on board a couple times as a Boy Scout parent chaperone, which seems to be like a thing that a lot of people did. Like Boy Scouts would do sleepovers on the Hornet. The
0: Boy Scouts. I I mean, I guess maybe since it's like an old Navy ship. Yeah, you're right. I think they were doing it
1: not because of ghosts, more historical, yeah, historical stuff. (laughs) Um, So I slept on board a couple times as a Boy Scout parent chaperone. One of the times we did a ghost tour in what I recall was the ammo room or the anchor room in the front or back of the ship." During the Hornet service, there was an explosion in this room and many sailors died instantly. Departing after the ghost tour, I walked adjacent to a corridor with glass separating the two corridors. As I walked by, I looked into the other corridor and I saw a man dressed in a World War II uniform standing and looking at me. I stopped and stared. The sailor was maybe two or three feet from me, but separated by the glass. He didn't smile or react to me during the 10 to 15 seconds I stared at him as others as others approached i looked to them and pointed back to the sailor and he was gone <gasps> I, know, God,
0: I, know.
1: I know one of the other really interesting ways that the ghosts communicate with people on this ship is through flashlights oh. so non-residual ghosts are are known for sending messages through flashlights uh, flickering the lights on and off to respond to investigators or to send their own messages so, the USS Hornet Museum volunteer docent named Mike Gordon explained in a YouTube video that I watched how they use flashlights to communicate with the spirits. So, like the people who work at the museum will sort of set up these scenarios, try to communicate with them, and this is how it works. Um, they use those kinds of flashlights that Like, you know, the ones that you kind of twist on and off at the bottom? Yeah. So they use those. um, And he said it's because it's harder for ghosts to operate buttons or switches. But I'm like, a ghost can, like, shove people downstairs. So I don't know about that. But they use those flashlights, and they twist the bottom so that the flashlight is just barely off. And they set it down very gently. And they will ask the spirits, like... A question like "Turn the light on if you are so and so," or "Turn the light on if, like, you are a soldier from X Y Z War," um, and the flashlights will switch on and off depending wow. on if they're giving the answer or not. Um, and an article titled "In Hauntingly Good Company Aboard the USS Hornet," uh, which was published in twenty twenty by Jeff Jardine for the Calvert Connect. Um, he details some of these flashlight encounters. So in the article, a woman named Faye Navarro, who coordinates the ship's haunted tours, uh, shared several flashlight encounters that she'd had while working on the Hornet. Um, so quote, Navarro spends many nights each year aboard the ship and does not need electronic detection gear or flashlights to know that she is among them. Their equipment, which includes phone apps that pick up voices and electronic devices that detect energy, simply gives them a better chance to understand those who share the room. On this night, a woman's voice said clearly to the docents in the sick bay, or the medical bay, I know you. They were able to learn that the spirit's name was Samson. They asked him to turn on the flashlight if he was indeed in the room. The light went on. Another spirit identified himself as Fred. When asked to turn on the flashlight if he had been aboard the Hornet in June 1945, when the ship steamed into a typhoon and huge waves damaged a forward section of the flight deck, the light went on almost immediately. Still in the sick bay and questioned about how many spirits were on board, the reply was 200. Asked the same question on the mess deck, a voice replied, there's a whole lot of us.
0: Oh my god. I know,
1: 200 spirits. I bet there's more than that, though. How many thousands of people went through that ship? Yeah, no, it's yeah, it's gotta be more than. 200. I think there's more. I mean, Two hundred ghosts is a lot, though. Yeah. <laughs> um, visitors also widely report seeing mysterious and unexplainable blood stains throughout the ship's premises. It was like Blackbeard's home. Yep. <laughs> um, the ship's sick and medical bay is a popular spot for these popular spot for these ghostly blood sightings. Um, many of the people who died on the ship died in the medical bay, so you have spirits that yeah. sort are of sticking around in that area because God, of I bet you. It's so creepy.
0: It is fucking
1: terrible. It's just so like
0: scary. Abandoned medical facilities. <laughs> mm-hmm. And because it's in the hull
1: of a ship, like there's uh. no windows. There's no natural light. You're oh just yeah. It's really it's really creepy. Nope, no thanks. Um, so a Reddit user named exist exist specky, um saw these blood stains. He says, "All right, so this story begins when I was about seven years old. Me and my family were visiting California, and we wanted to go tour the USS Hornet in Alameda." At the time, I wasn't even aware of the paranormal happenings on that ship. I just wanted to go because I was seven, and it was a big gray ship. Cool. (laughs) I can understand that. So we were walking around the ship and began touring the med bay. I was looking around, and I saw blood everywhere on the gurneys and beds. The fuck? I didn't think much of it. I just thought that was a part of the display. So we carried on. When we were leaving, I was talking to my parents in the car, and I mentioned how I thought that the med bay was scary because of all the fake blood. My parents said, what are you talking about? There was no blood anywhere. I was deeply confused, but didn't think much of it and didn't care. Several years pass, and my interest in the paranormal starts spiking. I was very excited to see a Ghost Adventures episode (laughs) about the USS Hornet, which I watched, and I will be recapping very shortly. I was excited to see a Ghost Adventures episode about the USS Hornet because I had been there. It was then when I watched it I realized what I saw all those years ago. They mentioned that a common occurrence aboard the ship was to see blood stains that mysteriously vanish in the med bay. I was certainly shook and excited about realizing what had happened in the past and hope I may experience something aboard her again someday. Wow. I know. Blood is so scary.
0: I can't believe he saw that blood.
1: It just makes me think of this, The Shining. The blood coming out of the elevators. Red rum. Red rum. So anyway, (laughs) as I mentioned at the top of this episode, despite Zach Baggin's once being my mortal enemy, I think he'll be my friend of me now. I did watch an episode of Ghost Adventures that covered the case of the USS Hornet, and you guys, there, these people are nuts. (laughs) It's Zach, his cameraman, and another like investigator, and. First of all, they show up to this ship wearing, like, flight jumpsuit costumes. <laughs> and they say that it's because they need to... What are they in my notes? He says they need to wear these suits so they can, quote, become the environment and oh look like the, the sailors,
0: talk like them, et cetera, in order to gain okay, their but trust. do they look at anything like World War Two naval uniforms? Literally, no. <laughs> like,
1: they look... I... When this episode started, I was like, you got to be fucking kidding me. Like, these men are goons. <laughs> Here we go. Okay. So, anyway, I was like, I'm going to give it a fair shot. So, Zach and his team do an initial walkthrough of the ship. Um, and they talk with eyewitnesses and, like, staff who have worked on the museum and the USS Hornet. Um, and it's pretty, like, standard stuff. They're acting normal for most of it until they get to the kitchen. And the kitchen is... There's um, an eyewitness who is down there who is seeing, like, in the kitchen, um, you know, guys would get frustrated and they would, like, throw their pots against the wall if, you know, their food was cold or, like, if they were have whatever, like, male aggression. And you can see on the wall that there are, like, all of these dents from these yeah. pots being thrown and just guys being angry men. And then out of nowhere, Zach immediately yells, "Angry dishwasher! Is that what you are? Is that why you're throwing glass pots at people's heads?" And of course, like nobody responds, and like Angry it's just dishwasher. it's just like silent. I think he's talking about like the people who are working in the kitchen okay. like washing dishes, but he's oh just yelling God. and like no response. Of course. Um, they focus on the med bay a lot, which with all the blood stains mm-hmm. and then they go into a G force simulator. And like, they're like riding around in this simulator cause it's Sir? part of the museum. And I'm like, don't you have like a job to do? Like, are you going to like fight ghosts or like investigate ghosts? <laughs> so then they eventually finally get to the investigation. They're still wearing these flight jumpsuits. Like, and like for skydiving, that's what it looks like. Oh yeah, my god. and it has like their names on them, and he's like so serious about it. Jeez. And so they get locked into the ship overnight, and they have all the lights off. And um, I don't know, guys. Like they caught some light anomaly on their ca- on their night vision camera, and they're like, oh my god, like it couldn't be anything else but like a ghost. And I was like, I mean, I, I don't guess. Like I don't really know. <laughs> um but they're like kind of running around or like <laughs> bumping into stuff because that's completely pitch black so like half of the footage of them walking around is with the night vision is like them tripping or being like, oh,
0: oh like gosh running into things and then they probably think that's a ghost they're because like, oh. they can't see yeah they're
1: they're being a little ridiculous one thing i will say though i think there were a couple of things that felt legitimate to me um but they were in an area of the ship that is supposedly one of the most haunted areas known as the bullnose area and i don't know what that means i did not explain it But Zach is taking temperature readings in the air, and his thermometer starts just going crazy. The temperature starts to hover in the mid-60s, and then it continually is flashing to a show a 66.6 degrees Fahrenheit. Stop. Yeah. Uh huh. No. Like it's, it's climbing up slowly and then it stops at 66.6 and, and it then like it'll jump up back. to yeah. like 74 and then immediately right down to 66.6 and then it like hovers there. Oh my God. And they're, of course, like losing <laughs> their minds. I mean, as would I too, to be fair, but like yeah. they're just like freaking out. <laughs> Um let's see and then they go to they went to the mess hall so like the cafeteria um, but they brought this woman with them and they were like, the sailors on the ship weren't used to being around women. So like we're gonna bring a woman to use as a trigger object <laughs> to like try and get them excited and get them to great. like provoked. And I'm like, okay, great. I love using women as bait. But it actually works. Well, I can't confirm that it was because <laughs> the woman was there, but they got very clear EVPs of voices telling them to quote run and quote, I'll get you. So um, But it was yeah. interesting because in the EVPs that I found for the Velisca Axe Murder House, the people said that while they were doing the recordings, they didn't hear the voices until after the fact. Yeah. But these EVPs, like, they were reacting to in, in like, in real, real time. time. They'd be like, oh, shit, they said, I'll get you. And they were, like,
0: screaming. Oh, that's weird. Cause it's yeah, so weird. In Ghost Lab, they did the same thing where they, like, have it on recording and then listen to it back later to hear if there's any... EVP? Yeah,
1: they were, like, fully
0: hearing it I mean, it maybe there's, live. like, different kinds of, like, EVP yeah. recording technology where you can listen to it in real time. It's, like, yeah, it might be similar to, like, a voice box. I don't know if you know what that is. No. Or spirit box, not voice box. <laughs> spirit box, which um, actually Nikki used in one of her ghost hunting things that she did in Gettysburg. Mm-hmm. Um, you have this spirit box where you, like, you can ask a question, and then... If the ghost decides to respond, the spirit box will like translate it into um like Siri basically. What? Yeah. So it might be similar to that. Maybe. That would make a lot of sense because I mean they
1: were like hearing it in real time and then they were like running away. Yeah. Um the cameraman feels somebody pull on his shirt. Zach asks if the ghost pulled on his shirt and they catch a voice that says, that's right. Um, oh, my God. And then, uh-huh. this is where I'm going to conclude my recap, because they were just frankly, like, so ridiculous that I was like, I can't believe half the shit you guys are doing. <laughs> but then they take a megaphone. They've some, I think they brought a megaphone with them. And they also brought, like, a siren. And so they're going through the part of the ship where they have like the sleeping quarters Mm -hmm. and so they're playing this siren and then they're on the megaphone walking down the hallway screaming, we're under attack. We're under attack. Like to provoke (laughs) these soldiers and give them PTSD from the war. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, you guys are fucking nuts. (laughs) And just the energy was very much like guys, it was like very guy energy freaking out and being like oh my god like what the fog? like oh my god's ghost and like they were running around and being crazy honestly it was hilarious <laughs> and like i will be watching more episodes but it was it was it did not feel legitimate yeah it also they really didn't try to debunk much of anything so it just seemed like they were looking for confirmation everything, bias yeah, for everything to be a ghost for yeah. everything to be haunted mm-hmm. um, so it was very fun to watch but i feel like i didn't learn anything that I didn't already know.
0: Yeah, their main goal is to entertain. Yeah, and that <laughs> they and they they do that
1: perfectly fine. Yep. So that is the story of the USS Hornet CV twelve and its oh. mysterious hauntings. And you can visit its um, you can visit it as a museum in Alameda, California. Wow. Yeah, that was
0: awesome. Yeah, I knew nothing of that ship. Same. So that's cool.
1: Now I want to do even more research into the um, Queen Mary though, because I feel like because the Queen Mary was just a cruise ship. I wonder if it's a different experience cruise ship versus like a naval ship. Like if the ghosts act
0: in the same ways or if they act in different ways. So I have listened to a podcast about the the Queen Mary Mm -hmm. and it sounds like some of those spirits might be a little bit more malevolent Mm -hmm. or at least died. And I mean, a lot of those spirits also died pretty tragically, but I know there was some like child deaths in the Queen Mary. That's sad. Um, And I do, I know that when it was still like, in service. It did crash into another ship and kill oh. all those people. Oh shit. Yeah. So like Oh. <laughs> uh, that sucks. Yeah. Oh my god. So, it does have a very rich history, so Yeah. I'll probably you know, deep dive on it later. Do a deep dive. Well, well there that, you go. Yeah, that wraps <laughs> up this this uh this week's episode, episode 9. We're almost to 10. I know. It's a big milestone. It is a big milestone. But now we are going to do our paranormal protection tip of the week.
1: So this week we're encouraging you to get some white roses because they literally suck activity out of the house. Uh, when they dry up, throw them out immediately and rinse salt down the drain to clear out the energy they absorbed. And I can't explain why, but this makes a lot of sense to me. I think it's probably because when I think of white roses, I think of like purity and cleanliness and clarity and like, spring and new life Uh so it makes sense that something that is so pure and clean would be the first thing that negative energy would go towards yeah to like sort of infiltrate yeah for sure so yeah maybe i'll get some white roses yeah and they're so pretty they are so They brighten up your
0: space they smell good
1: (laughs) yeah so there you go Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode, guys. Yeah. Um, Make sure to follow us on Instagram and
0: TikTok at DFWG Podcast. Yes. And now, like we talked about in the beginning of the episode, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash DFWG Podcast to get access to special perks um, at different tiers and join the fandom. Yeah. <laughs> join the family. When you're here, when you're, you're family. Here, your
1: family. <laughs> yeah. We
0: give breadsticks.
1: Yes. <laughs> and make sure to please keep sending us your stories as per usual to our
0: Instagram DMs or our email, which is dfwgpodcast at gmail.com. Please rate and review us on Spotify and Apple, and if you have even more time, you can leave us a little review on Apple Podcasts, commenting what you like about the show, maybe what you don't like about the show. (laughs) Um, It really helps us out and gets us noticed. But
1: anywho, um, don't forget to suck up all that negative energy and activity with some white roses, flush it down the sink,
0: and... and (laughs) Remember to always stay away from Ouija boards. Bye. Goodbye.